0: This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening.
1: Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources, and I'm here today with Andy Duran. Andy has served as the Executive Director of LEAD, that's Linking Efforts Against Drugs, a drug prevention coalition since May of 2012. Equipped with years of experience working with youth and a new approach to drug prevention, Andy has developed LEAD into a nationally recognized organization that offers training, workshops, and technical assistance for organizations all over the country. So, Andy, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So let's start with how you happened to get into drug prevention to begin with.
2: Sure. Uh, You know, I knew from an early age that I always wanted to do work with youth in my career, and after college I actually uh, started my career in ministry working with uh, high school youth uh, as a youth minister, and loved that, and uh did that for a while, doing retreats and trainings for youth uh and eventually moved on to other fields i was I was working at a non nonprofit in the city that was kind of a, a social justice peace building organization on the south side of chicago and uh but I was living up in the suburbs of Chicago, and at the time uh, there was this organization uh, called Leap that was a drug prevention organization that was looking for new leadership, and there were a lot of uh issues going on with teens in the community so uh, I was recruited for that position and didn't know much about drug prevention. I uh, just knew that I cared about youth and uh, didn't want young people getting into those uh, sort of things. So I uh, learned what I needed to learn and um, took the job, and it's been great
1: so and since that time, you've really taken lead to a whole new level.
2: you know, it's been a team approach for sure. you know since since I came on board, our entire staff and almost our entire board has has um, has turned over. So we have a really, really great team of people who work really, really hard to achieve our mission. Uh, we have a great professional board uh, who, are, who have all kinds of skills and experience who who help us do what we do. And so it's definitely been a team approach. But yes, we're really proud of the organization. We're proud of the accomplishments we, we've had over the past few years, both locally in our local community, but also uh, what we've been able to provide in communities across the country. Uh, but it definitely has been a team approach.
1: So something that drew my attention to LEAD and to you and and your leadership team there was an application that you've written and a service for texting that was actually written up in the Wall Street Journal, and that's what brought me uh, me to you. So tell us a little bit about that app.
2: Sure, yeah. So um, not long, uh, right before I came into this position, uh, not quite five years ago, uh, our community here in the North Shore Chicago uh, tragically, had three high school students take their own life within a span of 87 days. And that was actually, uh, the, the main reason why I took this job is to try to do something to, to help and prevent, you know, bad things from occurring with youth. And, uh, when those, when that occurred after I was in this position, we pulled young people and community leaders together and just basically said, what is it that you need that you're not getting? And it became very clear to us that uh, young people needed a different way to reach out when they were struggling, struggling with uh, anxiety or depression or just, you know, just feeling down or struggling with, you know, decisions they might be making as it related to drug use and other things. Uh, so we sought out to to, you know, find some helpline that we could raise money and, and purchase. And we found out that there was really nothing, uh, nothing comparable or nothing like that that we could do so we we found a way to write it and develop it ourselves uh students told us very clearly that they wanted to have a 24/7 text hotline that was fully anonymous and to take that a step further they wanted that to be um back-ended by licensed mental health professionals so not just you know your average teacher or volunteer or parent but actually trained licensed professionals uh which we really hadn't thought uh, as being you know a key importance. So uh, we developed a system and, and not just the technology and the application itself, but also the, the program by which and the way by which we bring this into communities has been really, I think, forward thinking and has has helped a lot of young people.
1: So by forward thinking, with the way that you've, your approach to bringing it into communities, can you share with us a little bit more about what you mean by that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you know we don't just go into a to a school district or a county or a community and say hey here's this application advertise it to your students and let them get connected right away there's value in that for sure and there there are other systems that do that through text through call um and there's value in being able to connect students with a caring adult uh, on the other end anonymously absolutely what we did is we took that idea and took it a step further um So what we're doing is we're actually training and recruiting teams of licensed mental health professionals in the communities in which we're implementing in so that when a young person texts into our line, uh, they are being responded to directly by licensed professionals within their own community. Uh, That does a couple things. One, it allows um, the, the clinician who's on the other end of the phone to totally understand the resources that are available in that general community. So there's no guesswork. You know, those clinicians understand that community, understand the needs of young people in that community, and know what the next layer of support or resource might be. Um, secondly, for the students, uh, it helps because the clinicians have oftentimes relationships already built with the schools. So we can get students the support they need uh, right away. Um, I think it also has built a community connectedness around mental health. Uh, when we implement in a community, we don't do it unless we can get school people and law enforcement and community support agencies uh, and all those different players are on the table talking about this issue together because each of those players plays an important role when we implement the
1: program. Wow. Any problems as far as the resources are concerned? That's a key component of this, finding the local resources, but it would seem to me that's a valuable and limited commodity there
2: yeah it's a key uh, component and and there are communities that have contacted us to to put our system in place and uh, and there are communities where we are unable to do that uh, because either the community doesn't have the capacity to bring all those people together or because uh, there isn't the right clinical capacity um, but so far you know in the areas where we uh, are located, you know, we've saturated the Chicago area, especially in the north north, and northwest uh, of the city. Um, we have a line operating in Southern California, and we have a couple other state implementations underway. In each of those cases, we've been able to find uh, partnering agencies and find clinicians who um, really want to be involved in this. You know, we pay our clinicians, so there is some incentive to them uh, to be able to be on call, but that's really not why people do it. We pay our clinicians because of the accountability piece, um, but really, getting involved in saving you know the lives of young people is, isn't really a hard sell. So, once we find those people and we recruit and we train them, um, we train them in our system and we train them in the protocols that have been developed over the course of our uh, our time in existence. Uh, it, it it's it all flows pretty nicely.
1: So, how effective has it been?
2: This is really effective. We've had tens of thousands of texts. We've had just about fifty thousand texts generated by students through our system um, since we've been open four years ago. And that may not sound like a lot in four years, but I will say, you know, about ninety percent of those is in the past year as we've really expanded. You know, the first couple of years we only were here in this in this small little local community of about forty thousand people. Uh we slowly expanded through the Chicago area, and once we had a system that was robust enough to handle you know pretty much a, a whatever capacity we might be able to throw at it um, we've been able to take that a lot further so during the past year 90% of those of those texts have um, have come in uh students are using it students in every school that we're operating in have used it um, the nice thing about the way that we operate is the vast majority of the texts are not, uh, I wouldn't say are, is where a student is in crisis. It's, it's, you know, students looking for, for help or looking for a resource or looking for someone to listen, you know, uh, and we, and we can certainly provide that. But in those cases where a student really is in crisis, either they're in danger of harming themselves or someone else, or they're in danger of being harmed by someone else, um, or they may have suicidal ideation, whatever it might be, uh, while the system is totally anonymous, our clinicians are trained to try to draw out whatever information they can, so that we can get a layer of support to them, and we can do a wellness check, and we can get a school counselor, you know, to to um, make sure they can see that student or whatever it might be. Because of the connectedness that we uh, that we share when we implement the program, um, that next layer becomes much easier. So it's been successful in the sense of uh, students are using it. It's been successful in the sense that we have literally, you know, been able to intervene in crisis situations and save lives. Um, and it's been successful, you know, on a different level in being able to provide some pretty valuable data back to schools and communities about what their students are struggling with.
1: Wow. And that's kind of the exciting part. Also, the byproduct of that is additional data to learn more.
2: Yes, definitely. The way that we're able to uh, customize our, our keywords uh, when we when we go into a certain community, we can customize for them based on their school or district or community or really whatever they want. Uh, A special keyword that students can use is the prefix to their text. And what that allows us to do is track not just the volume of text that we're getting from a certain location, um, but also uh, the types of things we're seeing come across. So in some areas... You know, we might see more students texting in about depression and another area we might see more students texting in about substance use or another area might be about bullying. But whatever it is, we're able to give that data directly back to schools or school districts and they can figure out then how to, to take action <clears throat> on that data that they're seeing. Uh, and I think that's been a, a pretty valuable component for sure. Hmm.
1: So um, what's the cost to implement this for a community, Andy? So Stat- Typically, um, we have a subscription fee that ranges between five thousand
2: and seventy-five hundred dollars, depending on the scope of work, and then we have a forty-nine cent per student uh, fee. And basically, what that does is it covers the the volume. Um, you know, we we are charged by the telecommunications company for every text that goes in and out of our system. Um, so we've come up with a, a price of forty-nine cents per student in a school or a district or a community that um, basically just just pays for the cost of that. Uh, that networking coming through. So uh, it's pretty turnkey. It's pretty affordable. Uh, what we see in a lot of places is multiple school districts coming together and, and each providing a little bit of money and getting it turned on for everybody. Um, and when you're able to, uh, and that's our preferred model, so when we're able to blend a bunch of resources together, it becomes pretty inexpensive for each entity.
1: Yeah. So 49 cents and it, per how often? What, what are we talking about there?
2: So. Well, 49 cents per student, um, but an unlimited number of Students can use it. So uh, we charge 49 cents per student. We know not every student will use it, um, and we know some students will use it quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So it's 49 cents per student, and, and that covers an unlimited number of texts. So, okay.
1: you know, um, per month? Yeah.
2: So 49 cents per student uh, per year.
1: Oh, per yeah. year. Okay. That's yeah. big big difference there. Okay. Great. I'm yeah, glad it's sure. clarified. Yeah. So, how would a school system go about engaging your team?
2: Yeah, so typically uh we get a lot of calls about this. I mean, I would say daily we get calls from all over the country. Uh so a school system or a community or a county or whoever it might be might call us and say, Hey, we heard about your program. Uh we love the way it works, we love the not just the system itself, but we love the connectedness it brings to the community. We love the fact, you know, that you have these clinical protocols and trainings that that have proven to be effective now, four years later. Um so what do we do? So we'll go in and the first step always is, you know, a brief phone interview, find out exactly what it is they need. Uh we talked about the scope of the project, and the very first thing we do is to make sure that they they have the desire and the capacity to bring all those important people, all those important stakeholders to the table. Uh if a community doesn't have that ability or desire and all they want is just us to turn on a system for them to use, we actually won't do it because we feel very strongly about the the community piece needs to be present in order for this to really work correctly. Um, So, you know, if that's present, then we'll usually go in and do a community do or do a a presentation or a demonstration, and uh, we can get services started in, you know, as little as four to six weeks.
1: Wow, that's a quick turnaround. So speaking of the community being engaged, your community became a member of Drug-Free Communities Coalition. Can you tell us a little bit about that and that program and why it's so important and why it meant so much to you and your community to get that done?
2: Sure, absolutely. So underneath LEAD, which is the the uh, three nonprofit, uh, we have an organization that operates called uh, Speak Up, and it's a Drug-Free Communities Coalition uh, who was, you know, luckily able to receive a federal drug communities grant. Um, so we went through the process back originally in 2010 to apply for five years' worth of funding at $125,000 a year. And what this did was gave us a significant amount of funding to implement, you know, prevention strategies, substance abuse prevention strategies in our local community, which consists of Lake Forest and Lake Bluff, Illinois. It's a... Um, Population in the North Shore, of Chicago, you know, about forty thousand people or so. Um, when that first grant expired in twenty fifteen, we wrote another one and were able to get it extended for five years. Now we have funding through twenty twenty, uh, and it's been invaluable in helping us to really curb the substance use issues in our community and to um, uh, to put some things into place from an environmental perspective that that we know will be long lasting. And uh, a grant like that is uh, very competitive and very hard to get. But once you get it, it it really uh, is a turning point for your community.
1: Wow, that's terrific. So, um, Andy, you also do other in-school prevention programs for kids. Tell us about those. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So we uh, do these all over the country. Uh, We'll oftentimes be asked to come in and do health class presentations. Uh, Sometimes these are, um, you know, maybe a bunch of classes together, and sometimes they're full assemblies. But what we do is we come in and we can talk with students directly about a particular substance, you know, for example, the harming effects of um, prescription drug misuse and abuse and how that can lead to heroin abuse and overdose. So we talk about how that spectrum of use uh, works. Um, We believe very strongly in not using scare tactics with young people. We believe that young people are capable of making good decisions if they have the right information uh, and the right instruction. So what we do is we don't come in and say you know anything about what can happen. We talk about what does happen, so we share what happens, you know how drugs work, how addiction dependency work, um how you know decision making at a young age can uh can impact what happens the rest of your life. We ask students to focus on um making good choices because of the positives they know are down the road, not so much to worry about the consequences um so we have a series of presentations we give uh that get down into some pretty good detail. Uh, we also teach about refusal skills. Uh, so, if students are in a position, you know, at a party or with their friends that they don't want to be in, we can, you know, we give them some skills to to get themselves out of those situations. And um, for parents and communities, we do large presentations as well, where we can set up exhibits um, like a mock teenage bedroom or a mock medicine cabinet that help parents see things and feel things and smell things that they may not have otherwise been uh, aware of. Um, and we also do large presentations about just how do you talk to young people about drugs? What's, what's effective and what, versus what's ineffective? How can you make sure that the prevention strategies you're using are evidence-based and will actually work in your community? So we do all kinds of things like that all over the country.
1: So if a school system wants to engage you for one of those programs, roughly, what would be the cost?
2: Uh you know we usually charge somewhere between 1000 and 2000 for a full day so it depends on you know where they're located and what they're looking for some places just want us to come in and just do an evening presentation for parents which we can certainly do some places bring us in and they keep us busy straight through for 3 days straight you know they want us to go into classrooms and do assemblies and do a parent presentation so it really depends on um, what they're looking for and how many staff you know will be involved from our point our from our effort but we can do you know, large or small presentations, and we have a great staff that, that's used to doing these. Um, so, you know, school will call us. We'll, we'll talk about the subject matter. We'll talk about what we can offer and uh, see where there's uh, synergies.
1: Any other programs that you've found to be particularly successful, either that you do or that you've witnessed in your community?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're really proud of a couple different things happening here in Lake County. Um, <clears throat> number one is the Away Out program. Uh, it's based off a, a model from a police department in Gloucester, Massachusetts, and it's a pre-arrest law enforcement-assisted diversion program where uh, persons who are using substances can come into one of, right now, one of seven uh, participating police departments in the county, um, can bring any drugs they have, any paraphernalia, You come to the police department and just basically say, I want to participate in the Away Out program. And what we do is we take in uh, the students, or we take in those, those uh Persons who come in, uh, confiscate their, their paraphernalia and their drugs, um, and rather than being arrested, uh, they are aligned with the treatment center. Uh, to date we've placed about a little more than 80, I believe, people in that program since June of 2016, um, and 100% of those people who have participated in the program have gone into treatment. Uh, that's the big issue, obviously, is treatment capacity and beds and beds that are available. Uh, but so far, you know, through the network of people that we have here, we've been able to make that work. And luckily, you know, we're pretty blessed here in Lake County to have some great treatment centers. So
1: wow, uh, a way 100%. out, I think,
2: I think we're the only, uh, the only community in the country to be doing that county wide. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's definitely a model that works, but it, it, it requires effort from treatment specialists, from prevention organizations, from law enforcement. Uh, the state's attorney here in the county is a huge proponent and one of the guys that actually made all this click. Um, but when that, when all those sectors come together to work, it really benefits people. And, and it, it, it's a forward-thinking model of drug prevention and treatment where, you know, we're not going to enforce our way out of this problem. Uh, we really need to get people into treatment, not into jail. And that's what this program supports. Uh, secondly, I would say I would point to the naloxone or Narcan distribution. You may be aware that uh, naloxone is the overdose antidote. Essentially, it's, uh, it's an opiate antagonist that, um, when administered correctly, to somebody who is in the middle of an overdose, it can remove the opiate from the opiate receptors in the brain and it can help someone resume breathing, and therefore not overdose from, you know, an opiate such as a you know prescription painkiller or heroin. Uh, we are the first county in the country, I believe, to have this in every single police vehicle, uh, and also have have distributed hundreds of kits to community members and schools. And I believe every school in our county has an naloxone kit in there nurse's office. So um, a number of lives saved, uh, over well over 130 lives saved since this program was initiated about 18 months ago. Uh, and it's been a huge, huge um, part of the good work that's been done
1: in this county, for sure. Very impressive. So what advice would you share with communities that are just beginning to address the opioid epidemic?
2: you know i think number 1 is to acknowledge uh when there's an issue that there is an issue i think a lot of communities um you know i think a lot of communities don't want to uh acknowledge there's an issue i think there's still a lot of uh, perception that says you know this is an inner city problem um and that these types of things don't happen in in the suburbs you know uh and that's just not true you know i think this is uh we know that substance use and addiction is uh, something that um has no racial bounds, Uh you know, it can happen with men or women, black or white, it can happen uh, to the poor and the rich. Um, it's it's something that we have to acknowledge is existent, and before you can do anything about the problem, you've got to acknowledge that there is a problem. So I think that's step number one. Step number two is to make sure, you know, assessments are happening correctly, make sure that we're looking at student survey data, make sure that we're looking at, um, you know, data from hospitals and corners and law enforcement to make sure we truly understand the root of the problem and then putting together some sort of logic model or theory of change that really drills down on what are the root causes and what are the local conditions that are causing this. And then once we understand the root causes and the local conditions, we can decide how to be actionable on those to reverse those and start to, start to fix the problem. But it takes some funding, it takes some effort from every single community sector, and it takes an acknowledgment that there's an issue before anything can be done about it.
1: So if someone wanted to reach out and get in touch with you, how would they do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, our our phone number is, uh, uh, they can always reach us through email or phone. Our website is www.leadingefforts.org. Um, the best email address to use, if it's just kind of a general inquiry question, is info at leadingefforts.org, I-N-F-O at leadingefforts.org. That'll get somebody, you know, pretty immediately connected with one of our staff members. Um, and then we have a, a an 800 number. It's 1-855-501-LEAD, which is 5323. So... Um, people can get in touch with us that way, and, uh, it, and of course, through text-to-tip, anybody can text text-to-tip 24-7 and get the response within minutes from any, from any number of our staff members.
1: Very good. What final thoughts would you have, Andy, for our listeners?
2: I think, you know, number one, uh, we're certainly here to help. Uh, anybody around the country, uh, we, we care deeply about this issue. We care deeply about young people. We care deeply about families. So anything we can come in and do, you know, we're a nonprofit, uh, and we're here to, we're here to help and here to serve. Uh, but we're also not the only ones. There's a lot of great organizations around the country doing a lot of great work. Uh, and we're just one of the many, you know, I think good things that are happening. I think we're starting to see a shift in the community. I think uh, in communities around the country, I think people are acknowledging that substance use is a real thing. Um, but also acknowledging there are solutions. And I think, you know, we've been pretty good at helping people find those solutions.
1: Well, very good. Thank you for joining us today.
2: You bet. Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Okay. We've been joined today by Andy Duran, who has served as the executive director of LEAD, that is, Linking Efforts Against Drugs, a drug prevention coalition since 2012. Andy and his team have done some amazing things to make a difference. In the opioid epidemic. My name is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover Two Resources. Thank you for joining us for this PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover Two Resources podcast.